I was a parenting facilitator for 16 years with the Division of Family and Youth Services down in Las Vegas. And I actually taught classes in two women's prisons, as well as several homeless shelters. And I worked with some very young women and some teens, especially in the homeless shelters, who were in prison or in shelters because they had gotten themselves in some very desperate and some very stupid, honestly, situations because they were angry, they were uncontrolled, they didn't have any self-discipline, they just were wanting to get even and get back at people. And what was interesting was that I had also these same girls or women, in some cases, come up to me and say, I wish I'd had a mom like you. I wouldn't be here. And I thought, well, that's real interesting. Talk to me a little more about that. Because my thing is, I don't care how mad they are or what they're saying. I hate you. Well, whatever. This is still the rule. They say things to try to get to your soul because they're trying to push you away. And there's a lot of reasons that they're trying to push you away. You know, we can get into that or not. It doesn't really matter. They're trying to push you away. And so they're saying things that they, they just want you away from them. When they say things and it doesn't work, that's going to set them back too. Well, whatever. You can hate me. You can't. It doesn't make really any difference of the situation here. So let's sit down and look at what's going on. Okay. Whether it's self-harm, whether it's drugs, whether it's pregnancy, all of these things can go on, whether they're even sometimes physically threatening you or even going so far as attacking you, right? First off, you have to keep yourself safe. And I understand that. But once it's all over, pulling away from them is exactly what they want. That's why they did what they did. Also, that's feeding into, they've gotten in their mind very often. We've set out these blanket statements, but it doesn't fit every kid. You know, we tend to think of this, well, I just need to do this. Well, it depends on the kid. You know, there's no one size fits all, not even in pantyhose. One size does not fit all, you know? It's one size fits one, even within the same family. You've only got this kid and this kid's brain is working in this way. And their brother or sister may be very different. We're not going to compare. We're not going to say, well, this worked with your brother, Johnny. Well, Johnny's Johnny. And by you saying that, you've just ruined the relationship with Johnny, with whatever it might have been. So let's just talk about Susie and see what's going on in Susie's head, you know? And then make sure that no matter where they are, I don't care where you are. I don't care what you've done. I'm still going to love you. And you may not want to hear that. Pooh, I don't care whether you want to hear it or not. Reality is reality. Today, I love you. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Thank you, parents, for being here today. Here's the deal. There are parents who should be here, and there are parents who could be here, but you are actually here. That means you are doing the work, and I absolutely applaud you, commend you. Good job. You're doing it, and thank you for doing it. If you do like what you hear on this show, please head on over to Apple iTunes and give us a review, because it really does help us get this help into the parent's hands who really need the help when they do look for a show. So when we are talking to parents about parenting these struggling kids, what better than to hear from not just a professional? And as you know, 
we've got 300 episodes of professionals here and I got a professional today, but this professional has five children of her own, 12 grandchildren and 70 nieces and nephews. Listen, DJ is the founder of Little Hearts Academy USA. She is an early childhood specialist with more than 20 years of teaching experience. And as you heard in the intro, we're talking about teaching moms all over in best case scenario situations and worst case scenario situations. And my questions for DJ are around parents getting their confidence back when they feel like they've failed. When we feel like we've screwed it up, we all miss things. I've missed things. You miss things. But DJ, I'm sure, has never missed anything in her parenting. And her parenting was perfect. Of course, we've all missed and wished. So when we're in the midst of this missing and wishing, how do we get our confidence back so that we can take our houses and our kids back? Let's talk to DJ Stutz. DJ, thank you for coming on to Beyond Risk and Back. I appreciate you so much. And right out of the gate, I'm like, oh yeah, she's got our info. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Let's jump back to these women in prison. I can only imagine that parents, men and women who are in prison with their kids on the outside, spend a lot of time in a failure spin where, you know, I, I screwed up. Here I am. I'm not even involved anymore. I can talk to them on the phone and see them only at the whim of the warden. How do you even start the conversation with these parents of it's going to be okay? When they have all the evidence that says you couldn't have screwed this up worse. One of the things that we really talked about, so there were two women's prisons that I worked with. So there was one that was right in Las Vegas over on Lamb Boulevard. And this was for women who were going to be in for the long haul. We're talking about 10, 20 years, right? And then there was another prison that was more out toward the California border. And they called it the camp. And that was for women who were going to be released within 18 months. Really, uh, some of them, they were only coming in and taking this class because they could get extra time off for taking the class. And so it was just kind of interesting working with the two groups. So when I was working with the group that were over on, on lamb, I'll just call it on lamb. They're the ones that were the, in for the long haul. It was a whole different set of mind. So some of them, they could have phone calls. Some of them, they would get to see their kids monthly for maybe two hours, maybe. Some of them, their kids were in other states. So they had been transferred from another prison for whatever reason. They could write letters have phone calls, but they weren't going to see their kids. Uh, some of them had given birth in prison and then their children were taken from them. And if they were lucky, they would have family members or a spouse or a baby daddy that would take the child. But most of them, quite honestly, went into foster care straight from birth. And so there were a lot of issues there. And we had to talk about, you know, what is best for you to say in these letters? What is the best behavior when the kids are there? What is the best things to say in the phone calls? Because some of them would say on the phone, 
when they're talking to their teenagers, that's not your mom. That's a foster dad. You know, they're not your real parents. You don't have to listen to them because they were angry at the system. And so they were passing that anger on to their child, which is something that, you know, you, we really need to, even in the best circumstances, we will often pass our own anger and feelings from our own childhood onto our children. So something upset us as a child, we're going to assume that's going to upset our children. And they have a different personality. That's their own thing, right? They may not react to something the same way you do. And so we want to make sure that we're not passing on our own foibles, our own triggers, our own whatever onto our kids and not abusing them in a way that we don't mean to abuse. We don't mean to abuse, but we may say, you know, that you're such a loser or you're doing this wrong and you're getting that in their head because your parents said that to you or because you made a similar mistake and things didn't work out well for you. You're thinking that you're giving them good advice, but you're giving it in a way that is actually abusive. And so these parents really struggled with finding the right emotional stamina to give their kids that good advice and making that connection. You know, I always tried to have the rule, <laughs> don't tell me why you're here. I don't want to know. We're just going to move forward. Some of them just felt the need to share. And um, I even had one mom that shared with me, she was actually in there for participating in the death of her own kids. And so that was just, oh, such a struggle. And she was really quite likable. And so I would try to push that out of my mind and concentrate that she is here in front of me today. And this is what I can talk with her today. Sometimes when our kids have really gone off a deep end and done something really horrible, and we're really struggling with that, you have to kind of take on that same attitude that, okay, let's not think about what's happened yesterday or this morning or whatever. You are here and you are in front of me right now in this moment. And I need to deal with who you are right now in this moment. And so if you are defiant and angry and whatever, perhaps you're really scared and perhaps you're feeling very angry with yourself for being an idiot. <laughs> they know they're an idiot when they've done stuff like that, right? We don't need to remind them. But what we need to do is just let them voice, let them go on and on and on and on and talk and talk and talk and talk until they've said all they have to say. And it could take hours. <laughs> it could take a long time. Hey folks, I want to share with you a product I've been trying out lately. Uh, it's called Magic Mind. It's a natural nootropic drink that helps with focus. I've been trying it alongside my morning coffee. Uh, it has cut down on my caffeine consumption and I really do stay more focused and get a lot more done during the day. So if you're looking for a new drink to try out, I would recommend it. It's extremely healthy. It's filled with the, all the kinds of stuff you want you and your kids it's also available at sprouts uh, check it out get it on amazon it's an amazing product and big thanks to magic mind for being our first sponsor you're talking about something 
you know, in, in the moment they've done something really stupid. They failed a test. They could have easily passed. They made a risky decision that they could have easily avoided. The fallout is taking place. The repercussions are coming down the pipe and you're standing there looking at this love of your life. Who's rolling their eyes and texting. And we're supposed to be the adults in the room. (laughs) And, have these moments of enlightenment and illumination while the kid doesn't care. How do we hold on to understanding, compassion, and even just being quiet when they're going on and on about how the teacher hates kids and everybody else failed and everybody does it and, and, and the same old song and dance we've heard and many of us used to say, How, as parents, do we hold on to our best selves when the worst self is trying to kick down the door and throttle this kid? Right. You don't want to be part of that group. You don't want to be part of the group that's kicking down the door, just ruining this kid and his just will to live. You know, it's that will to live that's that's going on with them. I mean, think of all of the self-harm and suicidal ideations that are going on in the world right now with these kids. And we're seeing an uptick. And they say uptick. What a stupid word that is. It's not an uptick. It's like a trampoline jump. You know, how three stories high <laughs> to in, in some of these aggressive and violent ideations that are going on with them. Why is that happening with our kids? And it doesn't mean that you were a bad parent. It means maybe you've dropped the ball sometimes. So my podcast is called Imperfect Heroes. And it's about parents because there's never been a perfect parent, never in the history of the world. Mary and Joseph were humans. <laughs> and if you look at the list of boys they had, I'm sure they had rotten days, you know? but we all try. And so we need to stop And we need to think and breathe. And even if we're not fully listening to them at that moment, because we're trying to get control of ourselves, right? And so breathe. Okay, I can handle this. I'm the grown up here. I am peaceful. I am calm. I am kind. You're telling yourself all these things in your head so that you can respond. Maybe you don't even need to respond. So I will tell you just for an example. Uh, while I was teaching, I had a dad that was beyond furious about something that had happened with his son. Another boy had been aggressive with his son, and he wanted to know what was going to happen to this other kid. Well, you have privacy issues, and the school can't legally say, well, we did this, this, and this. And so he was so angry and so aggressive that he had our assistant principal absolutely in tears. This was a tough woman. I've never seen her in tears. <laughs> like she was tough. He just reamed her a new one, came into my classroom and started reaming on me. I didn't say a word. I just let him go. I just let him go. Now we'd have previous and I developed a relationship with him ahead of time so that he knew that I cared about his son. Right. And we joked around and stuff in previous, uh, engagements. And I just let him go. I never interrupted him. I shook my head a couple times, you know, and let him just go on and on and on. And finally he just stopped talking. 
And he, he said, well, so what do you think? <laughs> and I said, well, here's the deal. Let's turn it around. So if it was your son that had gotten in trouble and your son has been in trouble, would you want me going around and telling everybody what happened to your son? Because trust me, word gets around. Or would you want me to keep his privacy and that? And he goes, you could just see him. He stopped for a minute and he was thinking. And then the light bulb hit and he was like, oh. <laughs> so I said, we're respecting this boy in the way that I would respect your son in keeping things quiet. And he said, I get it now. I understand. And he left. And the assistant principal came in and she said, oh, did Mr. So-and-so come in? And I said, oh, yeah, he was here. And uh, gosh, and she was still shaking from the whole thing, still shaking. And so I told her what happened and she just looked at me and she said, how do you do that? And I said, well, I know you care. I mean, it's just sometimes people just need to be heard. Sometimes they just need to be heard. Now let's translate that to our kids. You know, I hate you. All right, keep going. You know, like, don't react to it. Oh, how could you say that to me? You know, you stretched my body out. I worked hard on you. You know, all those things that we can say, you know, I, I buy your food. I buy your clothes. I do all of this. And none of that matters to them in that moment. None of it matters to them in that moment. You have an eye, an iPad and you have iWatch and you've got the headphones, you know, the AirPod Pros, whatever it is. And uh, none of that matters to them right then. None of it. And we try to make it matter by then threatening to take it away or taking it away. These things we've bought them, these things that we're trying to hope matters enough that they'll change their tune. But what you're saying is they're screaming and yelling at us. I hate you. You never do anything for me. The other parents let their kids smoke pot in the house. Why did you search my room? Blah, blah, blah. And you're saying, just let them go on. And, and you even gestured at one point. Okay, keep going. Like, Are you saying that they're going to run out at some point? They're just going to run out of things to say? Or is that also not the point? You're just letting them vent? Let them vent. You know, it may take hours for them to run out of things to say. It, <laughs> it may take days, honestly. <laughs> they have been saving it up, maybe. I don't know. Letting them feel heard. We feel like we want to shout back and give them evidence of why they're wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, we're feeling defensive. We're being yelled at by some 13, 16-year-old who knows nothing about anything. And, and they think they know it all. They think they know it all. And it's wearing on our confidence. Like we can't help but let some of the crap they're spewing in and wonder, is it true? And I have to, I'm in full agreement with you. No, it's not true. What on earth do they? Some of the biggest fights I have watched parents and teenagers get into over the years of coaching is very simply the parents thinking they have to out-argue an adolescent, that they have to be more logical, more sensible, more realistic when they're screaming at the top of their lungs because their child said something asinine to them. And what really is the consequence? 
Is your child going to walk away and think like, she didn't even respond. He didn't even have anything to say when really I'm walking away going, they don't know what they're talking about. But that's hard. We're, we're, well, let's, let's also be honest. You're a parent. I'm a parent. There's parents listening. That's hard. Why? Why are we so defensive when a adolescent is making crap up and screaming it at us? Why? I don't know. To me, it's like arguing with a monkey in a way. You know, you can yell and scream and whatever, and it's not going to calm anybody down. So if you're screaming and yelling and whatever, is that going to, is that going to, raise the temperature in the room or is it going to calm things down if you're in in such a, a way that you're you know you guys are like inches away from each other and your spit is getting in each other's faces right and you're you're all you can feel your blood pressure going up your every muscle in your body is so tense and just so like wired and you're doing everything you can to just like keep yourself from ripping the tongue right out of their mouths. Right. You just feel so upset. And then, uh, that, that really call, I showed him, what did you show him that you're an idiot? How do we interrupt those moments for ourselves? I'm not talking about the kid because I really do appreciate what you're saying is let him go. Let him let him spew, let him vent, let him barf all this up. But how do we interrupt ourselves to say, don't respond, be quiet, it's not real? Well, because half of the time, and I found myself doing this, so I'm coming from a place of, brother, do I understand you, right? Is there are times when I realize, wait a minute, when did I start yelling? My voice is elevated. My head is pounding because I'm so angry. And I, I can't even tell you when this started. So if I can get to a point that I'm saying, whoa, 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 hang on, wait, hang on just a second. Woo, I am yelling. I'm not saying anything about what they're doing. I am yelling. And honestly, I have no idea when I started this. Like, crazy. And so, yeah, uh, just give me, whew, give me like 10 seconds here, you know, oh, you know, do the old man thing or whatever. It's like, you know, oh, Ethel, it's coming. It's time now, I, you know, I, whatever I, it is. I, I know every Gen Xer is going to understand what that one was. Oh, it's the big one. <laughs> it's the big one. It's the big one. I know. Now, <laughs> I know I'm an old fart and I just showed it. So that that's it. It's a 10 second interruption you got to give. You got to give yourself an interruption, even if it's play acting something out. But then, okay, so now you're not getting at them for yelling. You're getting at yourself and you're saying, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I I need a second to take a breath because I'm recognizing I am not in control that that I need to be. You haven't said a word about them being out of control. And you're just like, whoa, whew, let me, like, I got to, I got to restart here. Give me 10 seconds, just 10 seconds. Just hold on. What are they doing while you're doing that? They're like, whoa, what was that? They're checking themselves. They haven't even said a word about me yelling. They're worried about them. That's changed the whole thing around now. So even when I'm working with like tweens or even like seven, eight-year-olds, I have parents who say, my kids are arguing all the time. They're at each other. They're at each other. How do I get them to stop? 
I said, it's easy. Put a pot on your head and then go in the room where they're arguing and just start dusting and, you know, picking things up with a pot on your head. And they're like, what? And I'm like, just try it. Go in. You've got a pot on your head. They're arguing and start vacuuming, whatever. And they're like, mom, you've got a pot on your head. What? Do I? Do I? What? Oh my gosh. When did that happen? Now you've, you've broken it all up. They're laughing. You're laughing. You've totally distracted them from what they were arguing at. And now you can laugh at it and like, oh, wow, it seems to be a good fit though. And, you know, you just joke around about it. You haven't even done anything about the arguing. You've just distracted them away from it. What a fun way to get that to stop. There is a story I write about in my book, The Four Prime Archetypes. And we had a girl who really volatile, not physically, a lot of yelling, screeching, her and her mom constantly going at it on the, on the Zoom calls and everything like that. She was in the office with her therapist and she had made an agreement with her therapist to stop walking out of family sessions. They had made the agreement. And mom and daughter start getting into it again and the daughter goes storming right out of the room. And she comes into the main room where a lot of the other kids are doing a group therapy session or hanging out, reading, stuff like that in the main room. And she sits in the corner very dramatically and faces the corner and Hoffs crosses her arms and corner of eye, making sure people are watching her not be involved in anything. And the therapist came storming out of the office at the top of her lung saying, you promised you wouldn't leave during a family session. But the therapist was wearing a pink tutu this time. Full tilt pink tutu. And the girl turned around ready for the fight and looked at the therapist. And the therapist is standing there with her hands on her hips looking at pink tutu. And the girl just was like, oh my God, you look ridiculous. And they laughed and the therapist got down on her level and said, are you doing okay? No, I'm not. I'm sorry I broke my word. Well, come on back in. Your mom's still on the phone. Let's finish up. And she did. And it was over like that because there was an interruption intervention. And I love what you're saying, but, and what you said before is so important. If you try to pull the interruption intervention on your kids first, it's not going to work. You got to pull it on yourself first. You have to step out of the moment. I had a great, uh, someone say to say to me the other day, if your child's going to act like a two-year-old, you at least have to be a five-year-old. And I was like, that's it. Like, like you have to interrupt yourself first. <laughs> yeah. My mom even tells a story now. Uh, maybe I was too young to remember it, but I guess I was like two or three years old. And I was throwing, you know, a two or three-year-old tantrum as children that age will do. And my mom, something clicked in her and she got down on the floor next to me and just started kicking and pounding the floor and crying with me. And I stopped what I was doing and just looked at her like, what are you doing? And she said, no, we're having fun. Come on, let's do it together. <laughs> My tantrums totally stopped, but, she, you know, she was like, no, we're having fun. Why are you stopping? <laughs> and the funny thing is, is that a lot of things, you know, I mean, they change, but a lot of these things where that interruption, that interruption of mind, that silliness, being able to laugh together, you know, uh, can, can, and I, please 
can <laughs> help. It depends on how far deep they are, how, you know, upset, whatever. But really, people, they're people. We're people. How do we feel? Like in a marriage, if I feel my husband isn't listening to me and it's just kind of writing me off, whatever, right? How do I feel? How do you feel when you feel like your wife or your kids or your boss or a coworker isn't even listening to you? They're feeling the same thing. They're feeling the same thing. So relate that to you. And then imagine they're hormonal. They are like goo, right? And so relate that then to them with their inexperience, with their hormones going on, with them trying to learn how to manage everything. And, and they're feeling, you know, the same kind of things that you were feeling when you feel unheard, when you feel like you don't matter, when you feel like your ideas aren't even considered. Yeah, maybe a stupid idea, but who cares? You know, they need choices. They need choices. And so instead of saying, you will do this, you will do that. It's just like saying, dude, okay, what's the goal here? What is it you're trying to accomplish here? Sometimes they don't even know. They're just angry. But if they can give you, well, I wanted to go to this party. All right, let's talk about that then. And let's see if we can problem solve here. Let's see if we can find some answers. Then instead of just saying, you know, you're not going to the party. You know, there's bad things that are going to happen there. And there may be some bad things that are going to happen there, right? But let's say, okay, so what are the first priorities then? Uh, mine is I want you safe. That's a big deal for me. What is a big deal for you? You know, have those conversations. Let them think it through and then share those ideas. Talk about how can then, you know, I feel that you're safe with some of the decisions you've been making lately. How can I feel that you're not going to make those decisions that would put you in harm if you're at that party? I remember telling my son one time that, uh, so here's some, here's some options because he wasn't coming home on time. He was coming late all the time. Well, okay. So you cannot leave. You can stay home. Cause then I'll guarantee you'll be home on time because you haven't ever left. That's one choice. I could go with you and I'll guarantee you'll get home on time. He thought I was joking. He was wrong. And he's like, yeah, right. So you, you'll come with me, huh? I'm like, oh yeah, I'd love to. He didn't think I would do it. I did it. Now his friends loved it because I was buying popcorn because they, oh, well, we're just going to a movie. Oh, okay. I'd love to go to a movie with you guys. You know, what's your mom doing here? Oh, she thinks she's being smart. DJ, as, uh, as parents want to follow up with you, learn more about you and your company, where do they find you? Where, where are we going to send them? It's real easy to find me at www.littleheartsacademyusa.com. You can always just email me. It's DJ Stutz, S-T-U-T-Z, at littleheartsacademyusa.com. And uh, I'd love to talk to anybody who would just like to try and figure things out. I don't come with set answers. You know, we problem solve and, and uh, work it out. We talked in this episode essentially about emotional leverage. And it's pretty common for parents to think that what we did when our kids were younger 
which is use emotional leverage, right? Clean your room or I'll get mad, be good at school or I'll be disappointed. That's natural little kid parenting because it's easy. Let's, let's just be honest. It's easy to do it that way. What did you do? Where? And so we've been talking parents about emotional leverage. When your kids become teenagers, that leverage is gone and they have emotions that are way bigger out of control and crazier. And I, we are left with the only option to escalate, to attempt to escalate past our teenagers, emotional leverage. What DJ was telling us, what programs like love and logic, what my parenting course, what DJ teaches is somewhere in there. The logic in, in love and logic shows up or the wizard parent and my archetypal parenting style shows up and, and logic steps in and says, okay, we are not going to win on the teenager's battleground because the teenager's battleground is chaos, illogic, insanity, hormonal mess. So what are we going to do here now while this screaming child is attempting to use emotional logic to sway our situation. That's what this episode was about. And let's be honest, what you do in each and every moment and each and every time might be different. As long as you are evaluating the results of the different things you try, you'll find the thing that works with your teenager. I want to thank Deepin Productions for making this episode sound so amazing. I want to thank our sponsor, for believing in us and believing our parents in our parents and wanting to share their amazing products with our parents and parents. I want to thank you for making this show as big as it is and for sharing it with friends and family who are struggling with their kiddos. And remember, as always, take care of yourselves first, your adult relationships second and your children third. That's how we do our best work with our children. I'll see you next week on beyond risk and back.